We want to welcome Peggy back. She was at a conference last week, and we're glad to have her back with us today. And I want to go over a few things um, in to let you know how to use the room if you're brand new to Illuminate. And again, we welcome you to the Classroom 2.0 live show. We have a special guest today, Jennifer Dorman. And we're really grateful to Illuminate for allowing us to have this forum. And so I'm going to close the application sharing, Jen, for a bit. And um, move so that I can work on the slide. Okay. We're going to be asking some polling questions later today, and so when we get to that point, We'll be asking yes and no questions today. So green, um, if you'll click on the check for uh, yes and the red X for no, those are found at the top of your menu bar. And um, when the polling questions come up, you're welcome to uh, cast your vote for your response. Also below that is the hand. And if you would like to speak when we give the uh, mic to the audience, you're welcome to do so. Just click on the hand, and then we will um, pass the mic to you. There's also the emoticons and the applause and some of the other things next to it. And if you needed to step away for a moment, um, you could click on the little door, and it would say step away, and then we would know that you weren't in the room you had stepped away. If you needed to send a message to the room in the chat, um, you would make sure it says send to the room. You type your message and click the send button. When we pass the mic to you, um, you would need to click on the mic button to activate it. And then it's like a walkie-talkie. And when you're finished speaking, you would uh, click the mic button to turn it off. And the whiteboard tools are over here on the right. And we're going to be using the laser pointer. in just a moment. And you can also change the view if the, the chat portion of the, the view is not um, as large as you would like it to be. You're welcome to go up to View, click on Layouts, and it's locked by default. So make sure that you uncheck it. And then you can select one of the layouts on the right as to how you prefer things to look for during the session. And you can change that at any time by going back to the view. And right now, we'd like you to introduce yourself. Some of you may have already done this. Um, you can type where you're from, maybe indicate the weather. And we're going to be using the laser pointer tool on the map. And that's the tool that's blue with the little red sunburst. And so on the map, what I would like you to do is to please click on the whiteboard tool, drag out, and click and indicate where you're from on the world map. And you can also put it in the chat. We're seeing all over the United States, Canada, and we want to welcome everybody. And sometimes the point doesn't go exactly where you want. So you may have to drag your point a little bit, drag it over. 
So we are so glad to have you here today. So let's move on now to the poll questions. And this is where you're going to need to click the green check and the red X. And first you'll need to click the pointer and the whiteboard tools. And so the first question we're going to do is, do you currently use a social bookmarking tool? And if you do, click on the green check mark at the top and the red X, then you may need to click on the make your mouse pointer back to the, the arrow. And then I'll post the results if you currently use a social bookmarking tool. And if you're not sure what that means, um, by the end of the show, you will know what that means. So I'll give everybody just a second or so to kind of ring in their votes. Okay, let me go ahead and publish the results for that one. And it looks like it's an overwhelming yes, that people do use a social bookmarking tool. About 65% of the, the room here does use that. So let me clear out. Okay, next question we're going to go to is, do you currently use Digo, one of the social bookmarking tools? And if you're not sure what Digo is, you would definitely know. Um, a bit about using Digo today. We're going to be talking about tags and using Digo. And um, so if you're not familiar with it, I think you'll be converted by the end of the show. Okay, let me go ahead and post those results. And it looks like pretty close that about a third use it, a third don't. About 31% do use it. And I think that if you do start to use it, you're really going to um, appreciate the value and see the social networking part with it. Let me clear that. And let's go on to our third poll, which is do you currently use Delicious for your bookmarks? I know many people use one or the other, and a lot of people use both. So go ahead and weigh in with clicking the red X or the green check for yes and no. And it counts, I would count using them as both. And those that use delicious is 54%. And 15% do not. So let me move it kind of down below by that question. And we have a good number of people that use delicious over Digo. And we'll be seeing some of the benefits today. And there are ways that you can set them up to uh, when you post to Digo that they automatically post your bookmarks to Delicious. And we're going to be focusing today on tags and using tags and why tags are so important. And that's our newbie question today. What are tags and how are they used? And now I'd like to pass the mic over to Lorna. She's going to uh, answer our newbie question today. Thanks very much, Kim. 
Uh, I just want to start about this. Start talking about the newbie question, and it doesn't mean that it's uh, someone who doesn't know how to use a lot of things. Because I'm going to give you a bit of my um, experience. I, I've blogged for a certain amount of time, and and I know what a tag is, but I'm one of these people that sort of ignores them until I met Kim and Peggy. And they gave me such an overwhelming amount of information that I found myself, I really have to pay attention here, start using tags. So, um, that's where I find our sessions today are so good because there's always something that someone else didn't know and someone here tells us whether it's we as the host or the participants in, in the, the session. So we say newbie, but it's really an opportunity to just talk about the basic ideas. So here's why I think um, some of you might not know what a tag is. And I'm going to go forward to an illustration here. So if you haven't seen a tag before or you didn't pay attention, you'll find it at the bottom of your post. Under here it is in uh, Blogger, it's called a label, but term like dog, cat, parent. So if you're actually writing your post, again I'm using Blogger, in this particular field, and it may be a, a at the side of your blog post depending on which blogging platform you are putting in. But again, it would be a term like cat, dog, parent, or something specific to the content that you've actually written in your blog post. So why use them? Well, you, you, you do use categories, but this is a really simple way to sort through the different posts because you're picking out the terms that are written in the blog post. So if I clicked on the, the tag I made with parent, all the uh, blog posts that I had had, had parent as a tag would um, appear. And what I like about that is that I know I have a, a method of searching when I've written all the posts and where is this, but if sometimes I'm just trying to find a post about maybe Skype in all the posts that I've written, then I would click, you know, choose the tag Skype and uh, that all those posts would come up with those particular terms. And it's also good because if you have a tag cloud, which I'm thinking we may talk about later, that uh, visitors to your site can uh, click on a term that may interest them. Uh, in my blogs, it's about parents, so they click on parents and all the posts that had been written in the blog uh, about parents would then um, jump up. Now, I'm here really ready to listen to Jen, and it looks like we have a lot of people in the chat room, but if you want to um, join in the conversation, just do the raise your hand, and uh, as time is appropriate, we'll get you to the mic, and uh, you can either ask a question or you can share your information, because I know there's some people Look, I think we've got 58 participants. Wow, thanks for coming. I know there's a lot of experience in that uh, our participant window who can share our ideas. So, um, One of the things we have is a, a discussion about a blog post that's going to come up, come up in a few minutes. And right in that blog post, I found the answer to um, why my uh, tags were going to uh, an error page. So um, we're going to have a great discussion if we have time about that blog post. That's um, the overview on the newbie question, and so I'd like to give the mic back to um, Kim or Peggy to uh, welcome our guest. Off to you, Peggy. Hi, everyone. It is great to have all of you with us today. We have lots of things to talk about, and it's almost harder to even know where to start. But we do want to let you know that every week 
we have this show on Saturday mornings, at least it's morning for some people. I think for some it's afternoon. Um, and every week we will always have a newbie question and we'll always have a topic so that you can um, choose whether that's something you'd really like to be uh, learning more about and definitely sharing your wisdom with us. Um, it's so important to us to have you come on and to share in the chat room and to take the mic and tell us what you're doing, ask your questions so that this can be a really interactive show. We also every week will try to highlight one blog post or it may even be a book or an article or something that you might like to read to kind of extend your learning a little bit. And um, each week we'll also end our session with an open mic and we invite you to be thinking now about maybe any highlight from the week for you this week. It can be big, it can be small, but something um, that was great for you that you'd be willing to share with us. It might be something you learned how to do or a great blog post you read or maybe getting a student or a, another teacher to um, try something new and the success and how that worked. So we're looking forward to hearing from you. So welcome to all of you. and. Um, let's uh, get right into our conversation. Lorna, would you like to continue the conversation with the newbie question, or should we go right into Jen? Uh, I think we've covered the newbie question. Thank you, so we're ready to talk to Jen. Excellent. That was great background for us to just have a context for what tags are all about. And now, Jen, take it away. Terrific. Well, I, I appreciate everyone's uh, positive comments there in the chat room, and thank you very much for inviting me back to Classroom 2.0. Uh, this is always a terrific experience, um, and the Classroom 2.0 community is very vibrant, and it's one of my favorite uh, extensions of my professional learning network. Well, I'm going to actually take over the desktop sharing, if you are okay with that, and what I'd like to do is just share a couple of quick things with you. Um, let me just double check and make sure that everyone can see. Uh, can you see my desktop at this point? I am on a browser window. If someone could throw that up in the chat room. Excellent. Okay. Um, I'm actually not going to be looking at the chat room for just a couple of minutes just so I can see my entire desktop. But I will respond to any questions uh, that pop up in there uh, when I'm done. So before I, I get too into this, I know a lot of people are very interested in Digo, and it really seems like Digo has just taken off in popularity, especially with educators, because Digo not, I mean, it's more than just a social bookmarking engine. It's a social annotation service, and I'll touch on that just a little bit today. We don't have a lot of time for all of that. But it also is a service that you can use very safely and securely with your students. And so, well, I don't have time to get into all of the great features of Digo today. The Wikispaces uh, URL address that was shared out in the chat room and on the screen before, and I'll pop it into the chat room again in just a little bit, does have a pretty comprehensive tutorial um, and list of resources, including uh, different uh, presentations that I've done on Digo. Um, I actually think there's a Classroom 2.0 presentation archives on here as well from a couple months ago. 
And there's lots of great resources. Uh, Digo's Help Center is pretty robust, and they're very responsive to the concerns and suggestions of their educator community, and they're constantly trying to upgrade their service. So I have a lot of resources on there. So if you're not familiar with some of the features of Digo I mentioned today, I invite you to visit my wiki page and learn a little bit more about that. So I'm going to flip over to a couple other windows. Okay. Since we are today talking about tagging and tagging protocols, I just want to reinforce one of the terrific things about social bookmarking engines, and that is that the, the tagging uh, folksonomy uh, that really organizes social bookmarking engines gives us an opportunity to do an awful lot of collaborative learning, of course, uh, but also something that I, I sometimes refer to as uh, tag relationship learning. And, and here's what I, I mean by that. When you tag something, and, and I think I saw earlier in the chat room, a tag really is like a keyword. It's not necessarily the title of a website. What it is is a series of keywords that help you, the user, and also the other people in your learning network understand what type of information they can find on that particular web resource, and also perhaps some of the possible integrations of that resource. And so when you bookmark something on Digo, one of the things that it will do, and you can see it if you look at the very top here, these are my recent bookmarks. And so I bookmarked something on UDL recently, and you can see that I bookmarked it along with a handful of tags such as UDL, education, technology, learning, design, instructional, teaching, curriculum. There's a couple other ones on there. I can see that 31 other people bookmarked that specific site. If I decided that I wanted to make that more specific, I can go back in and edit existing bookmarks and add new tags. I can share it out to a list of mine. Um, I can share it with friends. I can share it with a learning group. And I'm going to hit on the, the list and the groups momentarily. Um, but I, I'm pointing out now that if, if you are sort of new to tagging, or if your students are new to tagging, and you start to bookmark things and realize that you then want to go back in and make it a little more organized by adding tags, it is very easy to do that in Digo. Once again, you just go to your bookmarks page, and then you click on Edit. And it gives you a lot of opportunities to see what you're getting with that. All of the tags that you use, and I, I use Digo quite a bit and have been using it for several years. Well, I've used over 1,500 tags um, in my day on Digo. And that may seem like a lot, but it's not the same thing as having, for instance, just a ton of bookmarks. It doesn't mean that I have 1,655 bookmarks. Because every bookmark that I post onto Digo, I will automatically add very specific tags to that. Now, I can change um, how I view that tag list. I can sort it alphabetically, which is how it's sorted now. I can change it so that it's sorted by frequency. Um, and when I sort it by frequency, of course, you'll see things like education and technology, Web 2.0, learning. Those will pop up because that's the type of thing I'm bookmarking pretty frequently on Digo. Now, one of the things that is really useful uh, when you're using Digo with students is to have your students do a little bit of searching on Digo. See, Digo is a great place to share your resources, but it's also a terrific place to do some learning. 
So when I was in the classroom and my students were starting a research activity, one of the first things I had them do was go to Digo and search for those tags that they think they would need the information on and see what other people had bookmarked already linked to those tags. Now, why did I do that instead of having them just go right to Google? Well, you know what a Google search looks like. Um, Google search results will yield thousands, millions of search results. And very often for our students, what they are going to do is look at maybe, I mean optimistically, maybe the first page of search results. Usually, and research shows that they tend to look at the first three, the top three search results on Google, and that's pretty much where they stop their research. But if they start their researching in Digo instead, they are going to get a, because um, everyone is posting the things that they find to be valuable on Digo, and our students search for specific tags on Digo, they're going to see what other people have already vetted in their searching of the Internet. So when you go to Digo, you can search your own bookmark um, by simply typing a tag in there. I could type in education and immediately filter all of my bookmarks by education. And what makes this really powerful, and this is one of the things I mentioned, relationship learning on, on Digo, not only will they filter back to me all of the bookmarks that I have tagged with the word education, they will also show me how many or the frequency with which I am bookmarking education along with other tags. So if you look on the right-hand side of the screen, you'll see related tags there. And you'll notice that I have 243 bookmarks where I have tagged education and the word technology. 239 bookmarks where I tagged education and learning. 117 where I tagged education and Web 2.0. And this is really terrific because it helps you to refine the way that you are looking at things that are already bookmarked on Digo. Now, this particular uh, field is searching my bookmarks. I could do the same thing to a group on Digo. So if I have my students uh, joining class groups on Digo, which you can do safely without student email addresses and things like that, um, my students can see what other students in other classes or in my other classes are bookmarking and sharing. They can also, though, search, if you look in the upper right-hand corner, you can also search all of the bookmarks that everyone has posted on Digo at one time. So by searching, for instance, Web 2.0, I can see everything that every person who has ever bookmarked with something and tagged it with Web 2.0, I can see all of those at one time. And when I do that, by the way, I will also see these related tags to help me refine my search a little bit. Now, someone mentioned a little bit earlier, tag rules and things like that. One thing that I find really valuable with Digo are the different ways that you can publish the content that you find on Digo. Yes, of course, every single person on Digo has their own profile page. They can publish all of their bookmarks. But you can also take lots of specific types of content from Digo and share it out on blogs, wikis, other websites, that sort of thing. Under your profile toolbar, one of the options you have is to open up your full tools. And when you do, you'll see things like your Digo toolbar, the DigoLet, which, by the way, the DigoLet is terrific for use in schools where you are not allowed to download and install browser extensions. Um, the DigoLet is actually what I had to use when I was in the classroom because we couldn't install the Digo toolbar. But the different tools that you have here, one of those is something called a tag roll. Now, 
what that tag role is doing is essentially, and you can see it um, here with the hypertext, it's essentially creating a widget for you that you can customize. You can change the size, the color. You can title it. You can decide how you want it sorted alphabetically or by frequency. What you will see in this widget are live hyperlinks so that if your students or if someone else in your learning community were to click on that tag, it would actually open up all of the things that you had bookmarked and used that tag for. Um, so this is a great way for you if you're going to be using tagging or, or Giga with your students. This is actually a great way for you to illustrate for them what tags look like. Because here's what very often happens. When you start to talk to your students about, um, about tags, um, and yes, I, I just flipped over to the chat room. Um, the tag role does change. Um, it's a dynamic widget. So as you bookmark things, it will change. But what, what happens often with students is when you talk to them about tagging, they'll shake their heads at you and say, yes, I understand, Ms., uh, you know, Mrs. Uh, So-and-so. And then what they'll do when they tag something is they will copy the entire title of the article or the title of the website. Um, which can be kind of annoying because then you have a lot of things bookmarked with words like the or and or a. So you have to really talk to them about the purpose of tags. Once again, tags are keywords that pertain to the, the topics that are covered in that particular web resource. Um, it could be tagging the, the author. It could be tagging the organization uh, that publishes that particular uh, content. It could also be tagging possible uses for that content or application. So this is something that really does need to be modeled for your students. And displaying for your students your tag role so they can see the types of words that you are using to tag is a really helpful thing. It will help them out an awful lot. So that is your tag role. Some of the other things that Digo offers to make life a little bit easier, especially for uh, classroom teachers, I think, is when you create a group on Digo, and a group is essentially a collaborative space where people can share some of their bookmarks so that everyone else in the group can have access to them. So unlike Delicious, where you might have a network and it's sometimes tough to see um, the organization of all the content that people in your network are posting, a group will actually allow multiple users to share content with each other, and that content is visible in one home page. Now, the group tag dictionary is a really terrific resource. It allows the group moderators to set specific keywords that they would like to have be a suggestion um, when people are bookmarking something to their group. So for instance, this is actually the, the tag dictionary for the Discovery Educator Network group on Digo, which is, by the way, a nice, nice little plug for Discovery. Um, it is a very vibrant community. I learned an awful lot through the, the posts that are put up on the Den Digo group. Uh, but you'll notice that when the group was created, there were certain keywords that we knew were going to be frequent. And so we added them to the group tag dictionary. So what does that do for us? Well, here's what it does. I'll give you an example. So let's say you find a website that you would like to share with your group. When you decide you're going to bookmark your page to Digo, a window will pop up. And when you decide to share it to a specific group, if there is a group tag dictionary installed, all the recommended tags will pop up immediately. So to add tags, from that recommended list, you simply, as I'm doing, 
click on the recommended tags and it will begin to populate uh, the tags for that particular bookmark. And when you have multiple groups, and you can see this particular resource is already shared to a couple of groups, um, if you choose a different group, it will change the tags there for you. And when you get to that group page, and of course here is the Classroom 2.0 uh, group, when you get to that group page, one of the things that will happen is that all the tags that you have shared, of course, will be populated in the bookmark that you have put there. Um, if you are one of the group moderators, you do have a little control over the content there. If you think something is inappropriate, every now and then uh, a spammer will come, you know, you know, come into a, a group and start to post inappropriate content. It's really easy for you to um, delete that content simply by highlighting it um, and deleting it. Um, but really only the moderators have that type of editorial capability. But the group tag dictionary uh, really is a terrific resource uh, to model for students the types of tags that you want them to use. Now, one thing that I would mention with a tag dictionary, which is really helpful and it's something that I did with my students, if your students are working on collaborative group tasks and they are you know, all in the same class group for you, but they might be working with three or four other students in the class on a collaborative task, one thing that's really helpful is to actually allow your students um, to tag a specific, you know, give them a tag uh, that's specific to their group. Now, I creatively did team one, team two, team three, et cetera. Uh, but you'll notice very often that the conferences and other online events will actually, at the start of that particular uh, learning experience, will tell you this is the tag for this conference. And some conferences actually go you know, into a lot of detail, NEC does this, uh, but they'll say this is the tag for the conference and here is the tag for this particular session. That's a really helpful thing. Oftentimes those tags are a little bit arbitrary in the sense that they, they don't necessarily relate to a specific keyword or theme or application for that particular bookmark. But what those types of tags do is allow users who are uh, searching on Digo to search, for instance, for everything that has been tagged about EduBloggerCon or everything that's being tagged about a specific session at NEC. Um, so the tags can be, once again, keywords, they can pertain to specific uh, learning teams within your classes, or they can pertain to professional learning activities such as conferences and things like that. So very quickly, I'm going to um, pop over to the chat room. Um, I only have a, a couple more minutes um, of this part of the presentation, but before I get into how to set this up for use with students, does anyone have questions um, about tags in Digo or, or some of the other basic features of Digo? I'm going to real quickly look over into the chat room. Okay, I do see a hand raise, and uh, Peggy or Kim received. I'm not actually sure how to call on someone um, to give them the opportunity to ask that question. So can one of you pop in and figure out whose question that is? Sure thing. Tom, oh, Lorraine, I see your question. Oh, I'm sorry. Tom, go ahead. You, that's okay. I'm sorry. Um, Thomas, go ahead. You have the mic. Thank you for your presentation, but could you nail down, for most of us, since we're delicious users, could you or someone else nail down maybe three reasons or even one or two reasons why we should move? 
Oh, I absolutely can. And if I had more time, I would give you more than just a couple of reasons. Um, but let me let me just do a, a quick overview. Um, what makes the the whole process a little bit different when you're using uh, Digo? Uh, the basic difference is that where Delicious or Blinkless or Furl or any of those other uh, services um, where they stop is I think where Digo pick, picks up. So, for instance. On any other social bookmarking service, I can bookmark things to the web. I can make them private or public. Um, with the use of tags and delicious, with the use of networks and friends, I can see what other people are posting and I can follow them. And, and very often with most social bookmarking services, someone's profile page with all of their bookmarks um, are actually you know, actually there's a, an RSS or an Adam feed, which means that I can subscribe to it and follow it. Okay, now that is very helpful. The difference with Digo is in the annotation features. In addition to simply being able to bookmark something on Digo, I can also annotate that bookmark. And so I'm not just sharing the, the types of places online that I'm finding content of interest. I'm actually processing it uh, for my learning community or for my students and saying this is the specific part or this is the specific use of, the, of this application or this content that I think is valuable. Um, so the annotation services on Digo allow you to highlight content, like literally highlight it, um, which by the way students love because if you take them to the library uh, to do some research, the first thing they're going to do is go to Digo, they're going to print it out and then they will begin highlighting. Well, Digo um, actually allows them um, to literally highlight online and allow other people to see those, highlighting, uh, those highlighted bits. Uh, you can also post what they call sticky notes. Literally, it looks like a, a post-it note that they can uh, put on the screen. Um, and you can also put um, inline text along with that. Um, so for instance, um, if you are sharing something with your students, you could actually highlight the key points along you know, throughout the article and throughout the, the website. You can put post-it notes on there with say critical thinking questions. Um, a lot of teachers who are using Digo find that this is a great tool for differentiation uh, because if they bookmark something for their students, they can actually give their students that annotated link so that they can see the, the highlights, they can see the inline comments, and they can see the post-it notes. The other thing that I think sets Digo apart um, is the way that you can publish with it. So for instance, I can set up my Digo account so that once a day or once a week or I could, I guess, do it every time I bookmark. I can automatically publish both the, the title the hyper, and the hyperlink of that website. I can also publish all my annotations directly on my blog. So I actually can set up blog post jobs that allow me to uh, publish on my blog the things that I'm finding valuable on Digo. Now, teachers love this because one of the things, if you have a class blog, one of the things that you can do with these blog post jobs is say, I only want things tagged with this specific tag to appear on my blog once a day. So not, you know, I bookmark a lot of things on Digo. I don't post everything to my blog. The only things that are posted to my blog are those things that are tagged with the word education. So everything I tag about gardening or energy resources or other topics of interest, that stuff doesn't get published to my blog. So just the things that I have specifically tagged with education gets published there. Um, some teachers will set up specific tags 
that are related to units that they teach or maybe in an elementary school to uh, curriculum areas that they teach, and they will actually set up the, the blog post separately. So I, I work an awful lot with a fourth grade teacher in my school district. And what she does is, you know, she has her blog post jobs, and, you know, one of them is called Great Sites for Science. And so everything that she tags with science will appear on that specific blog post. Great Sites for Math uh, will be a separate blog post. Uh, I can also publish, um, in addition to blogs, I can also publish my links directly to Twitter. So if you're on Twitter, every now and then you might see a link that someone has shared out um, from their, their uh, Digo account directly to Twitter. Um, and you can also email these things. Um, so the publishing aspect, uh, the annotation aspect, and I guess I should probably mention the fact that the group uh, service that where you can have multiple people putting all of the things that they're finding um, together in one group. That, that's an also uh, another thing that sets it apart. So hopefully um, that, that sold you on Digo. Um, and if you aren't already using Delicious, fear not. You do not have to close your Delicious account. You can actually import all your Delicious bookmarks directly to Digo, and you can cross-post things. Um, I, I saw, I think, Peggy and a few other people said that um, they set up their Digo account so that every time they post something on Digo, it also is posted on Delicious. So those people that are following you on Delicious who haven't made the move to Digo yet, um, they're still going to have the benefit of all of the great stuff you find online. They're just going to be seeing it as a cross-post as opposed to um, something you're posting directly um, in Delicious. I see a few more hands. If someone, um, one thank of the other moderators Thomas. wants to jump in there. Sure thing. Thank you, Thomas. Um, Sue, did you still have a question that you wanted to ask? Oh, it was answered. Okay. Does anybody else have a question they want to ask? We are going to be showing you the highlighting feature and the toolbar Digolet, um in our blog post in just a bit. So if you have questions about that, that may be answered at that point. But does anybody else have a question that they'd like to ask again before we move on? Okay. Go ahead. Continue okay. on, Jen. Okay. Um, the other thing I just wanted to mention, because I know a lot of you are educators, and that's why you're here on a Sunday morning or early Sunday afternoon. Um, but one of the things that Digo does, um, which I think is a really terrific service, is they realize a lot of teachers were using their service. And um, the, every district has a slightly different threshold with regard to how comfortable they are with students creating online uh, profiles for websites and things like that. So Digo decided to set up a safe service um, through something they call the teacher console. Um, now, how do you get to that teacher console? Well, if, if you already have a Digo account, you can go to the Digo main page, and you will see on that main page something that's called an educator account. Okay. When you click to learn more, it will tell you a little bit about the, the account. It will give you um, links to getting started guide, facts about the account. Um, but basically, what the educator account allows you to do is set up safe private groups for your students, and more importantly, to register your students for Digo without their having to have an, uh, an email address. Okay. So you don't need to worry about your students um, creating an email address or using a private email address. You can go ahead and register all your students at one time um, and have them join, or actually you can just assign them already to the groups that you're creating. 
Now, once you have upgraded yourself um, to the educator status, and yes, by the way, I, I should mention, I, I can't show you the form because I'm already an educator, um, but when you decide that you're going to upgrade, it's going to ask you for some information, of course, about where you teach, and yes, people at Digo do review that information. Um, so if you try to upgrade, you might not get that upgrade right away. It might take a day or two before you get confirmation. Um, it all depends on the, you know, the amount of people who are signing up at one time. Okay. But once you have that educator account under your profile menu, you will see something called the teacher console. Um, and in that teacher console, you will be able to see all of the groups that you have created um, or groups that you have upgraded to educator status, and I'll tell you how to do that momentarily. Um, the difference with the traditional groups versus the educator groups, well, traditional groups have advertising on the page. That's one thing. Okay? The educational groups, you'll notice as I scroll down, you're not going to see any advertising. Okay. The other thing that um, you have is a, a benefit of the educator groups is that you, the teacher, have a little more control over the content that you see there and that your students are posting there. Um, you can choose to enable or turn off the group forum. That is totally up to you. You have a lot of editorial rights. Um, and when you have your group set up as an educator group, you can decide how visible you want it to be. Do you want it to be public or private? If it's a private group, the only people, even if they have a URL address, the only people who can see that group and the content of that group posts are the people who are part of the group. You can decide whether or not you want your group to be searchable in the main list of groups. So if someone were to search all groups and they were to you know, type in one of the keywords that you have listed as an interest of the group, you know, if it's, if it's searchable, they're going to see it. Um, if you decide you don't want it to be searchable, it's you know, it's pretty much private. You can decide how people can join. Now, if you are creating this as an educational group, um, you pretty much can just assign all your students to it right away. Okay, um, which means that other people, if you decided your group were going to be public, other people, if they wanted to join, um, they would have to apply to join. You would have to approve them. Okay, um, the group tag dictionary is that terrific feature. Um, you'll see this is actually the group that I used um, when I was in the classroom last. You'll notice that the top tags that are there are all of the team numbers. Um, but if you scroll down a little bit, you start to see some of the other tags um, that were associated with that particular um, group. Your groups, and once again, I got here by simply clicking Manage Group. Um, but you can actually publish uh, tag roles for the group. So that if you have that blog or wiki, um, your students can actually see the different tags that people were applying um, to the content for that group. That's, by the way, once again, a really good teachable moment um, because if they do accidentally tag things with the word the, that sort of thing, you'll start to see that pop up on that tag role. You can also create a link role. Um, the link role is very similar to a blog role, uh, where a blog role will usually list the blogs to which you subscribe on, say, Google Reader or blog lines or some other similar service. The link role uh, will actually create a, a running list, and it's customizable by you, but a running list of the links that are being posted to that specific group. You can also do the auto blog post for the group. So that you can set it up so that once again, once a day or once a week, depending on the frequency that you want, the tags, I'm sorry, the links that your students are posting to that group can be published directly um, to your blog or your wiki. Um, and that makes it very, very simple for you to use. And 
when you decide um, to really show students how to use this service, once again, one of the things that, that I find really powerful about the service is that they're not just going to bookmark the page. I often, and actually I told my students, you are not allowed to bookmark something to our class group unless you are annotating it. So unless you are going to add the sticky notes, and when you add a sticky note, you can decide what group you want to share that sticky note to directly. Um, so obviously I'm involved in a number of different groups, so I see a lot of groups there. If you're using this with students, they may only have a handful of groups. Um, but their groups could be, for instance, groups that you are creating for them for collaborative projects. It could be um, a group for all of their major classes. Um, so if a teacher is going to create student user accounts, um, they can actually share those uh, student usernames and passwords with other teachers um, who also have educator accounts. This, by the way, is great in a teaming situation where, say, in a seventh or eighth grade team, maybe uh, one teacher uploads all the students and then they share that list of student usernames and passwords with the other teachers um, so that the student, when they sign into their Digo account, they could be seeing language arts, world languages, math, social studies, science, etc. Um, in which case, if they have multiple groups, they will have to decide, do I want to make the sticky note public for everyone to see? Do I want it to be my own private annotation that only I can see? Do I want to share it to one of my groups? Okay. So that's how they go about adding something as a sticky note. And I'm going to cancel that so we don't need to see all of that. Okay. The other thing that they can decide to do is if they find content of interest, they can highlight it. And when they highlight it, um, that highlight will actually be visible to anyone who is going to be using um, that content. And you'll see, I guess I probably shouldn't have highlighted text on a yellow background already. Um, let me try something else. that highlight will actually be visible for everyone else. Um, and one of the things that's nice about it um, is that you can actually go and change that. You can, um, once you highlight something, you can tie a sticky note directly to that. Um, and that annotated link, what that annotated link is, is all about, and some teachers are using this if they're not actually having students register for Digo. The annotated link um, is going to be a little bit longer than the regular URL address. But that annotated link will allow people who are not even Digo users um, to see the highlights, the sticky notes, that sort of thing. Um, so you do have that little option if you don't want your students to actually sign up um, for, you know, for Digo or you don't want to sign them up for Digo. Once your students are signed up for Digo and you've showed them how to use uh, the highlighting and the annotation features, they can begin um, to work with the um, entire Digo account. One thing that, and I should have mentioned this earlier, but one thing that, that I will mention about the student accounts is that their profile page is really locked down. They cannot uh, communicate with anyone outside your class. They cannot send friend requests to anyone outside your, your class. No one, um, if you, and this is especially the case if your group is public, no one from outside your class can send a friend request to them or send content to them. It is really, really locked down. So it is a very, very safe spot um, for your students to, to use. And the other thing that's nice about it is, especially if you're a high school teacher, 
So if you're using this with your students, and your students are getting to the point where they're graduating, and they actually want to maybe use Digo um, in college. Digo is considered to be one of those uh, great web tools for college students as well. You can actually email Digo, and Digo will take that student's username, and they will upgrade that from a student account to a regular full account. So they won't lose that content that they bookmarked. Um, so that's that's pretty much the uh, overview of the teacher console. Um, I realize I'm looking uh, looking at the time, and I want to make sure that we have, we do have time for questions. So I am going to put back to uh, put back to the chat room and see if there are any questions about the hyper you know the hyperlinking, the highlighting, the post-it notes, or the teacher console. So if you have a question, raise your hand, and we'll have someone uh, pass the mic over to you. And Jim, we're going to be showing the highlighted feature um, on our blog post when we get to that part in just a sec, um, so the people can see. And we shared it with the private group, so we'll be showing that also. Um, are there any questions for Jim before we move on to our weekly read of the week? Weekly read read of the week. Okay, well, we're going to keep on going then. Um, okay, we do have one person. Alfonso, would you, uh, you have the mic? Would you like to ask a question? Okay, Alfonso, um, maybe your mic isn't working, but we'll come back to you. And we want to thank Jen. Sorry, that's my dog. I apologize. Um, and we'll see you, Alfonso, if uh, you do uh, have that question, or you can type it in the chat. And we're going to go ahead and move on to the weekly blog post, if that's OK, Jen. And we'll go ahead and close out your, um, your application sharing window. Jen, can you go ahead and close that? Thank you very much. And I'm going to show you the share tabs um, that I have put in the window in the chat as well. And this is the share tabs link. And it has all of these links here for you already put um, listed for you. And this is the thumbnail of Jen's blog and her wiki. As well as, this is a thumbnail, and when you click on it, it takes you to the direct link of um, the educator account. And so I'm going to take you to our weekly read of the week, the blog post by Steve Dimbo and Peggy. If you want to join in, you can see up here on my toolbar, I have the Digo let up here. And since we're using the share tabs, the highlighting, I guess, isn't going to show up. But let me go to it directly and show you. OK, my screen kind of left up. Peggy, can you um, start the discussion? 
sure I'll jump in here. And we don't really need to discuss this blog post, but we do want to share it with you. And it's another great blog post by Steve Dembo on 30 Days to Being a Better Blogger. And this particular one is called Tag Your It. And he provides a nice rationale for um, the value of tags. And we've already talked about a lot of those things. So mainly, I was hoping that we would be able to show you how those highlights work. And one of the things we discovered um, while we were exploring this is that um, we could make create a group on Digo just for us, those of us that are hosting the show. So we are the only ones seeing those highlights. And someone had a question in the room about um, that sort of thing and whether you can keep your highlights from being viewed by everyone. Because you can imagine if it was totally open, you would see a, bl a blog post or a website that was just covered with highlights that would not mean anything to you. So I love the fact that you can um, select a group to share your highlights with, and only that group will see it. And that's something Jen talked about with, this, with the student groups, which makes it so valuable. And now you're seeing on the screen some of the things that we chose to highlight. And they're all yellow because they don't have comments. But if you wanted to add a comment to that, She's showing you now how you could edit that bookmark. And you can, when it's shared with a group, you can then um, make the comment visible with the, the highlight as well. Um, this is a great blog post, so take a look at it. And he does talk about some of the reasons for using tagging. And there are also some excellent comments um, to the blog post. So I hope that you'll check that out afterwards. But I'd love to move on and have a couple of people um, jump in and take the mic and share your examples of how you're using tagging in your classrooms or um, with other teachers in professional development. How are you using that? Go ahead and uh, raise your hand if you would like to take the mic or put your question in the chat and share how you're using um, tagging in your classroom. I'm going to jump in here because we're running uh, very close to the end of our show. If someone doesn't want to talk about their experience with Digo but wants to share the good news of the week, they can use the mic to do that at the same time. Absolutely. If they want to share some successes, some highlights of their week, that would be wonderful as well. You can type that in. If you don't have a microphone, if you have a mic, just raise your hand. And uh, we'd love to, to hear from you, hear your discoveries or new things that you've learned this week. Okay. Thomas, you want to go ahead and share? Sure. Um, one of the things I'd like to share is I teach AP environmental science, and one of the and it's just always so hard for teachers to figure out how to put these in, you know, honors classes or advanced classes sometimes. And one of the ways I've had success in my advanced placement class was that kids use tagging as reviews, so they would take a topic that they were interested in, and they would put up tags about that topic. And then in the annotation thing, they would have to identify the key you know, educational concept or idea, 
and then they would have to review the tagged website about whether it, um, you know, if it if it discussed the issue as in depth as their book, or if it went beyond that and gave them more knowledge about it. And then we would print them out. We we create one site for everybody, and then at, before they took a test, the AP exam, we would print them out and we would share them. And we actually did this last year with uh, one other school, and they both shared the resources and tagging, and they used them as a review for the test. Awesome. That's excellent. Uh, we had some questions about the Share tab. Um, the Share tab is uh, a website that we found a while ago, uh, sharetabs.com, and we put the resources in a list that we want to share with you each week, and you'll see that on our uh, website. And all of the resources from this week, as well as um, things you might want to follow up with, there's the Share tabs link, and I put it in the chat. Um, and all of the resources for each show are listed in our share tabs, and you can um, access anything that we discussed, and there are additional things that we didn't maybe get to um, through the share tabs link. So you can access it now, later, it's on our website, um, live website, and you know, if you have questions about that. And it shows you a thumbnail, and it has the link. And then all of them, the links are at a tab at the very top of the page. So it's a real convenient way of sharing links or creating a hot list of, of links that you might want to use with your students as well. Kim, I just wanted to point out again, too, that we are archiving the audio and the uh, video for the sessions. But we have it set up uh, so that people can actually comment on the show. So that if people want to add more ideas or uh, uh, continue the conversation, they're welcome to do that. And they can do that also on the wiki space that we have uh, set up on our main page. And that's another place to add more ideas for the uh, upcoming conversations, including when I really want to have this conversation go on a lot longer because it's you know, been so exciting, such great I information. I don't know whether we need to move on, Kim, and talk about the survey and what's coming up. Yes, absolutely. Um, there is a survey that we would like you to fill out, and I will um, put the link in. That's the link first to our website, and then um, I'll put the link into the survey. Uh, one thing that we want to note is. The first um, two columns are blank. With the, um, if you would leave them blank, I mean, there's guest and facilitator, and that's uh, we need the information, um, not necessarily about the guest and facilitator, but the other uh, ask, things that they ask you. So if you could just leave the guest and facilitator blank, and then fill out the rest, we would appreciate that. And I'm having trouble getting back to that window, so. If uh, Steve or somebody could uh, put in the the link to the survey. That would be great. Thank you, Steve. Um, once that loads, 
if you could fill those out and leave the guests and facilitators part blank. Um, we do appreciate any comments and feedback that you can give us. And next week will be uh, Valentine's Day. And behind the survey is the uh, information for next week. The newbie question is, what is Skype and why do I want it? And um, to go along with the Valentine's theme, we're going to be using Skype to collaborate and share the love of technology tools and sharing your network and collaborating using Skype. So we hope that you will please join us next week, same time. And we'd like to give special thanks to our uh, guest today, Jennifer Dorman, and the founder of Classroom 2.0 and Future of Education, Steve Hargadon. And thank you so much to each of you who participated and came today. And we'd like to thank Illuminate. And I had planned to um, have the Podsafe music playing. Um, that will be next time. Hello, a few technical difficulties. And for next time, you will need a Skype account to use Skype. Um, and we will talk about all of those things next week. And we want to thank you for coming. And please fill out the survey. Um, check out the website for the archive. And drop us an email if you have questions or would like to give us additional feedback. And thank you. Have a great day, everybody. I know the other thing you need to mention, Kim, that everyone does need to sign out of the uh, participant window so that we can stop the recording. It looks up like some people don't uh, recognize um, shutting up the browser and um, being away as uh, two different things. They're, they're signing off there as a way and not actually leaving the room. Is that going to be a problem, Steve? It shouldn't be more than a weekend. Um, should be able to take care of that. And I also clicked recording. And so you click on the red X or go to File Exit, and um, that's how you would leave the session.